I'm tired of hearing people say the devil made me do it. That excuse used to work. I think there was a moment in in history, probably the dark ages, when people would stand before the uh, the pontiff, the priest, or whatever, you know, and, the, and they're there, and the whole town is surrounded around them with pitchforks and torches, and they say, "What have, what have you to say for yourself for your evilness and your wickedness?" And the poor little man would look up and say, "The devil made me do it." Well, perhaps it worked then. It's not working now. There's excuses that no longer work. For instance, in school, you, 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 you don't have your homework finished. And you have the excuse, I finished it, but the, my dog ate it. That's why I don't have it, teacher. I'm sure there was one kid, you know, somewhere uh, in the pioneer days here on the plains that told his teacher that on a Monday morning. And she said, oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, my word. Well, you'll still get an A for that. You know, and it, and it worked for that kid, and he used it with every new teacher that he had in a moment of a desperation when he forgot to do his homework. My dog ate it, just told that lie, and uh, got away with it. And then other kids saw it. He passed down this sacred treasure to generation to generation, and kids used that for a long time. My dog ate it. Well, teachers don't believe that anymore. Uh, I remember when I was in school when computers were first... Uh, being introduced to the public school system and in the private school system and in Bible college, all of that. I went, I went, to, I went to various type of schools. Thankfully, Sunday school never brought the computers into the system. That's probably why my best education came from Sunday school. But anyway, kids would just say it. Oh, my homework got deleted. Uh, it got deleted somehow. I don't know what happened. It just deleted itself. My my computer <laughs> turned on itself. My computer deleted it. It's my computer's fault. Uh, my computer has a brain of its own. I mean, just these excuses for things not being done. And uh, the world is getting more and more lenient and more and more compassionate for people who are lazy. It's getting more and more uh, caring for people that don't have responsibility. I mean, we've got a major mess in Kansas City right now. There is a tent camp out in front of City Hall, and it's raised so much controversy Right now, do we let these uh, vagrants stay in front of City Hall or do we dismiss them, you know, tell them to move somewhere else? And and it's created a big Internet war here in Kansas City. And uh, I'd like to know what you think about this, because I I think we have a a vagrancy problem just across America. Nothing wrong with living in in a tent, but there's something wrong with living in a tent where you shouldn't be camping. You know, you have separate places for separate things. And a lot of church people have been, you know, raising their voice about this. Leave them alone. They have the right to that property as much as anybody. Let me let me tell you this. Okay, I believe in the separation of church and state. It's a wonderful concept. It's not included in the Constitution, not in the Bill of Rights. But it's just a good uh, idea to have separation of church and state. And there's just, all I hear is excuses from these people living in tents in front of City Hall. You know, the excuse is, well, nobody gave us a house, so this is the house we have. Nobody gave us this. Nobody did this. Nobody provided this service for for us. And look, we have a great society, but this society only works for people who are responsible, not people who want to give excuses. This society only works for people who want to work, 
It only works for people who wants to work. That's right. You want to work, you'll be fine. This society will work for you if you want to work. But these people, they don't want jobs. They have checked out of society. And you can't be parked out in front of City Hall in your tents. I mean, people are walking down the street, going to work, going in to take care of business. And they look and there's these tent camps and these bums walking out of their tents and uh, relieving themselves right there. I mean, you're walking down the ha- walking down the, the sidewalks of the cities and you're stepping in needles and human feces. And they are making excuses that I have nowhere else to go. Okay, these are excuses that don't work. Society did not force them into this. They forced themselves into this. And the same type of principle is happening with people and their sin. They're blaming the devil for their sins. They're blaming the devil for their problems. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're tempted to turn this off because I'm, I'm talking about the bums and the tent camps. And we need to have compassion and things like this. Okay, do you want a tent camp in front of your church? I'm serious. Think about it. This past uh, Resurrection Day, do you want to drive up with your family, your kids, and see some bum walk out in the nude out of his tent and relieve himself right there in the churchyard? Yeah. Or see some uh, bums fornicating right there on the lawn? That's what they're doing. Do you want needles and feces all over your beautiful yard? I don't know about you, but I would rather have beautiful Easter eggs in my grass in the front of my church. I would rather have people coming freshly dressed, looking nice, ready to worship the Lord. Camp where camping is appropriate. Not in front of government buildings, not in front of churches, not in front of neighborhoods. Go somewhere else. And uh, there are places like that here across the city. They're back in the woods. People live there in their tents and they live in peace. And you know what? We get along with those people. You can't be squatting on somebody else's property. I just really believe that there are separate places to do things. There's places you work, and then there's places that you live. Okay? It's about being what is appropriate. And you know you know, you got a problem when there's just excuses, 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 excuses. So, do you have a sin problem? You got a temptation problem. The devil's not making you do anything. The devil is tempting you to do something. That's right. Your sin is not to be blamed on the devil. When you stand before God and you say, the devil made me do it, you know what Jesus is going to say to you? Ha! The devil tried to make me turn bread or turn stones into bread. The devil tried to make me fall down and worship him so I could have all the kingdoms of this world. The devil tried to make me do something fanatical and spectacular in jumping off the pinnacle of the temple. And you know what? I told him no. I was tempted just like you. And I had the ability to say no. You have no excuse. If Jesus could say no, then you and I can say no. That's right. You're here to listen, and I'm here to talk. This is Justin Gleason bringing you the message of God, Bible, and Church in the year of our Lord, 2021. Please subscribe, become a loyal listener, give us a great review and rating, and share this episode with your friends. Follow me at Justin C. Gleason on Facebook pages, Instagram, 
and Twitter. Scroll down and reference the episode notes below for further details. Podcasting is the future. I hear a thunder in the distance. See a vision of a cross. I feel the pain that was given on a sad day of loss. Lion rolls in the darkness, only he holds the key. Light to free me from my burden and bring me life eternally. I want you to know I'm a compassionate person. I'm a loving person. I'm a caring person. But I'm about caring and compassionate and loved out with excuses. Get to work. Be responsible. Have some self-control. That's right. You have got to grow up and leave childish things behind. You have got to flee youthful lusts you've got to flee youthful laziness that's right it's time to get an education it's time to become employable it's time to put away your old sins and follow the path of righteousness life is not about being happy happiness is for kids responsibility is for adults and you cannot say i couldn't stop I can't help it. Let me tell you this. Temptation. I'm about to read a passage for you in the in the Bible, in the book of James. Temptation can be a blessing. That's right. You heard me. Temptation can be a blessing. Take a look in James chapter one and verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, he himself. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. See, there you have it. Not only can you blame the devil for your sins, you can't do it. You can't even blame God for your sins. It is your own desires. It is your own lusts. It's all about you. It's all about you. You make yourself do what you did yourself. That's right. You have no one to blame but yourself. I'm tired of it. And it's been happening during this pandemic. Blame, complain, and the shame of everyone else but yourself. The Bible does not say examine your pastor. The Bible does not say examine your neighbor. The Bible says examine yourself. And in this temptation series, we are looking inward. We're doing a self-examination, a self-evaluation. And you know it, listening to this to me, one-on-one, or perhaps you're listening to this in the car with your family, like some people do. Oh, my Lord. That's fine. That's fine. But I'm really wanting to reach the, the, the person right now, the individual right now. You cannot blame your problems on the devil. You cannot blame your problems on God. You cannot blame this on anybody else but yourself. The devil doesn't make you do anything. All that is out there is ideas. Temptation is an idea. 
Temptation is a suggestion. Temptation is a thought. And in the context of the Bible, temptation is any thought, idea, or suggestion that would deviate you from the will of God. That's right. To deviate you from the ways of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God. That's what temptation does. Anything to deceive you into not believing the word of God. That's right. God's will, God's way, and his word. That's what temptation attempts to destroy. You take a look at the temptation of Christ. The Lord came to be as the bread of heaven. He fell from heaven just like manna. He came from heaven. He was not of this world. He came from heaven. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brought him into existence. That's right. And from his mother, Mary, who was of the seed of the woman that God cursed, uh, or the serpent that God cursed, right there from that seed of that woman, and you read the lineage of Jesus, he fulfills prophecy from Adam to Abraham to David to Jesus. He was a promised son, a promised child, the promised Messiah. And being in this world, having human flesh, he could have sinned. He sure could have. Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, and Satan himself tried to tempt him from uh, deviating from the will, the way, and the word of God that was, that was set before him. He was the bread of life. He came from heaven like manna. He came from heaven like manna. And Satan tempted him to change these stones into bread because he was hungry. To have that very suggestion to end his fast and use his supernatural power to show who he really was. And in all reality, it was a way for him to suggest him to um, manipulate his power. Because Jesus didn't come to make a show. He was not a magician. He was not an entertainer. He was the eternal God manifested in the flesh. Jesus, amen, was given all great authority, all power, all authority. He is the one who rules from heaven. And that power and authority came from God himself. And Satan, who is the prince and the power of the air, who has walked to and fro, uh, seeking whom he may devour, roaring like a lion, and getting involved in the governments and the kingdoms and the kings of the world. He showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. He showed the, uh, him Rome, Greece, uh, Babylon, Persia, uh, Ethiopia, Egypt, all of the great empires of that time and said, I will give you all of these. He wanted to be the one to give it to him if he would fall down and worship him. But Jesus knew that he would one day have all of those things. You see, you know what Satan does? He tries to offer you what God wants to offer you. That's right. That's what he does. That's what temptation is. Here, take my offer over God's and in turn, worship me. That's the deal he wants to make. That's the deal he tried to make with Adam and Eve. That's the deal he tried to make with backslidden Israel. That's the uh, deal he tried to make with Jesus. And that is the deal that he is trying to make with you and then finally he takes him up on the pinnacle of the temple and says leap off of here you can do it it's safe go ahead try it out the word says your bible says that angels will uh, lift you up lest you dash your foot against a stone 
you know what he was trying to do? Tempt Jesus to look spectacular, to be fanatical. Can I tell you this? Fanaticism is a major temptation. That's right. You watch fanatical people only last for a while. I've observed this. These people who are super sold out soul winners. Why do you see them burn out after two or three years? Why? Because they don't care about the person's soul. They only care about the numbers. That's why they want your money to buy the bikes and the iPads and to give them out to people uh, down in the city and say, here, get baptized and get an iPad. Here, get baptized and get a six-speed six mountain bike. Well, who wouldn't jump in the tank for that? You know, it's not really hard to convince somebody to get baptized for a iPad. No, it's not. You know, it's not even that hard to convince somebody to get baptized for the remission of their sins without even offering them a toy or even offering them a gift. I'll tell you what's hard is to convince somebody to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe perhaps you'd have more people stick around in your church after baptism if you made it about them becoming a, a disciple and not just have your sins remitted. Because if that's all you got to do, get in the tank, get out. Hey, I'm done. I'm good. I'm saved. I've got my spiritual insurance. I'm on my very way. No, you want to be saved? It's not just baptism. It's not just repentance. And it's not just the Holy Ghost. It's the whole Bible. That's right. Uh Uh-uh. Salvation ain't free. Uh Uh-uh. Salvation will cost you everything. And that's one of the great lies and the great temptations of this day. Just be fanatical for a little bit. Fanaticism does its things to be seen. And that's what it was about for Satan. Jump off this temple. Let everybody see. Let everybody see that you are invincible. That you cannot be harmed. Oh, that's right. For those of you that refuse to wear a seatbelt because you think God is going to protect you. Oh, that ain't God telling you that. That's the devil. Mm-mm. If you really believe that, I dare you to walk down the busiest interstate in your city and jump out in front of a semi. And let's see how God will protect you then. Oh, no. God does not protect fanaticism. God does not protect the radicalism. That is the trickery of the devil. Because believe me, you out there winning your souls... You may not be actually pleasing the Lord. It may be done for the devil. Because let me tell you, the Pharisees did all their works to be seen of men. And Jesus rebuked them for that. Yes, it is good to give. Yes, it is good to fast. Yes, it is good to pray. But if it's done to be seen of men. Oh, oh, you are succumbing to the temptation of the devil. And he is so crafty and so trickery and his temptation is tailored for each and every individual, especially those that got a call of God on their life. God has a perfect will for you. God has a perfect way for you. And his word has been established for you to follow. And Jesus knew the voice of the devil, even in the weakest moment of his life after that fast. He was so weak that after that temptation, even angels had to come and minister to him. But it was immediately after that he started preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the masses came. (laughs) The bread, the true bread came forth. Hallelujah. The true kingdom, amen, was established. 
Praise God. And he ascended up on high into the heavens, and he is there to this day. So that's why James says, you're blessed when you endure temptation. That's right. Temptation has come. It's here. And it's going to come again tomorrow. You will have to be tempted. You will have to be tempted. Hopefully you're done with being tempted with those little sins that you used to do. Now it's time for the devil to start tempting you with the real stuff. And that is tempting you to step away from the call of God. Oh, yeah. I know what I'm talking about because I have been there. I have been there. You see, most, I was called to preach when I was 11 years old. And most kids that grow up in church and have a call of God on their life, they doubt it during their teen years. They doubt it during their teen years. And then finally, like uh, right, right before uh, their, their freshman year at their secular college, they say no to their scholarship. They say no to all the offers. They quit it and, and they pursue ministry. Well, that wasn't me. I loved being called to preach. I wanted to preach. And I got to Bible college ready to go. And I had such a great Bible college experience. But my temptation didn't happen during my teen years. It didn't happen during Bible college. And it, and like most people, I'm serious, it happens to most guys and girls during their teen years or while they're in Bible college. For me, my temptation to get out of the ministry came after Bible college, right after Bible college. From the years 2005 to 2011, can I tell you this? I battled it hard in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit to try not to be what I was. You know, a lot of people try to be something they're not. I've never done that. I don't understand that. I can't be something that I'm not. But you better believe it. I tried hard not to be what I was. I got tempted to get into business. I got tempted to forsake the ministry and just become a good man in the church and be married and be happy and have kids. I was tempted to do that, but can I tell you this? God slammed every door. I got into the insurance business, was successful. Being 23 years old, selling policies everywhere. I did well. I did great. And, you know, then I come to church and I try to teach and preach to a bunch of teenagers and, and deal with them and some angry parents. What do you think would be is more appealing? Having people say yes to your insurance policies or kids uh, talking and texting while you're trying to preach and parents yelling at you, why ain't my kid having a solo why isn't my kid having a solo? Why isn't my kid being used? Well, <laughs> your kid's fornicating, smoking pot, going to the movies. Sorry, not giving him a solo. So yeah, all of those things, the devil would tempt me. He'd say things like, you're better than being in a youth pastor. Look at the success you're having. That's right, he did. Usually at night while I was asleep. During that time, I had devils manifest in my room. I'll talk in detail about it another time. It's, it's just not the place. But yeah, temptation usually comes at night when you're asleep because your flesh is suppressed and the only thing that is, that is alive is your spirit and your soul. I want God to talk to me during my sleep. But God allows temptation. Why? To test you. He certainly does. He wants to give you the opportunity to prove that you are sold out to him. And he will allow temptation to come your way. Jesus did it, the apostles did it, and you're going to have to do it. That's right. That's right. 
I was in uh, the state of Michigan recently as a guest preacher for uh, Cornerstone Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Shout out to Pastor and Sister Chapdelaine and their children, that family, that church. Wonderful people. I love going up there. And Pastor Chapdelaine and I uh, had some time. We went out on a drive, got a nice lunch, went to a nice bookstore nearby. And we also, I said, hey, is uh, Mars Hill Church near here? And he said, sure is. I said, let's go check it out. We walked in there and toured that church. Nice campus. Impressive. Very, very cool. Very trendy. Very, very nice. Uh, they have a lot of great social programs there. Helping people get off drugs. Helping people get off uh, addiction. You know, good things like that. They're really into that. They do a good job of it. Hey, if that's your gift, do it. But can I tell you this? That church... I'm just going to go ahead and say it for a long time. It was the epicenter of heresy. Sure was. And it was coming from their founding pastor, Rob Bell. Rob Bell has said a lot of good things, but he has also said a lot of uh, bad things. Heresies. Uh, the spirit of error is was upon him, still is. He's not as influential as he used to be. Rob Bell, his books, his teachings really deceived a lot of guys uh, in my network, United Pentecostal Church, and really from the years 2006 to 2013. Those seven years were a dark time for our fellowship. And Rob Bell really was uh, probably the major influencer of it all. And I'm not going to get into those teachings. You, you know what I'm talking about. Basically, Rob Bell, it's, it's called the emergent church. Emergent is uh, dying. It really is. It's not progressing. Uh, good old-fashioned uh, blood and guts, pure Pentecost is what's still popping and carrying, and, and carrying us through. But it, with the emergent church, everything is a question mark. Everything is a question mark. Whether, whether it's gay or straight, marriage, abortion, question mark. Nothing de definitive. Especially heaven and hell stuff. Question marks. I, I mean, <laughs> nothing is definitive. Everything is a question mark. And I, I don't, it's, it's a very hippie movement. It's sort of weird. That's why it's dying because nobody knows what they believe. And it's very cause driven. You know, it's all about feeding the bums, feeding the homeless, serving soup to homeless people. That's, that's like their main kicker. You know, well, I mean, that's good. It certainly is good. I believe we should do that, help those in need, of course. But when it comes to Jesus, cause-driven is not going to help you, really. That's why you're going to doubt everything, doubt your salvation. And, and just recently, one of their pastors left and did, did a podcast interview, was dropping the F-bombs and how confused he got in his walk with God and his relationship with Jesus uh just because of all of that look we are christianity is faith driven not cause driven anyway rob bell did his teachings and sold a lot of books to his own benefit can i tell you this i used to i never read any of his books but i watched and listened to his podcast of his church and can i tell you this that guy really made me doubt a lot of what i had read in the bible and what i'd heard preached but uh, through dreams, uh, through prophecy, I learned that is the spirit of error. And I walked into that super cool looking church and they do a, have a lot of great systems in that church. But I remember back in 2011, the Lord spoke to me and said, Rob Bell is fallen. 
the church is falling. Rob Bell resigned in 2011, and I haven't really seen him do much of anything. That church that he pastored went from, they said, the guy that gave us the tour, he was sure to tell us we used to be a church of 19,000. Now we're just at 3,000. And I cannot say I was happy. I was actually sad about that. I cannot say I felt vindicated, but I stood in the middle of that sanctuary that they call the shed. I looked at that platform. I looked at those screens. I looked at those seats. I looked at everything. And I just thanked God for allowing me to be tempted and that he gave me the strength and the wisdom to endure it. Because here I am, I haven't changed a bit. I have remained loyal in the traditions that I was taught. I have remained loyal in the doctrine that I was taught. So all those guys that left this to be emergent, nobody knows where you are anymore. I don't know where you are anymore. But I can say this, I'm here in Kansas City, serving the Lord in my church. Amen. Here on this podcast, with a beautiful wife, beautiful kids, friends, the opportunity to be a guest preacher, the truth still remains. You know, a lot of people in their testimony, they have their, they can drive you by their old bars and say, I used to get drunk there. They can drive you by old houses and they can say, I used to do drugs there. Well, I don't have bars and drugs. You know what I had? Mars Hill. And I was able to go by and see it and say, I wasn't deceived. And can I tell you this? The devil is never done with you. When I walked out of Mars Hill, got in the truck and we drove uh, back and rested and got ready for church, I felt nauseated. I thought maybe perhaps I'm just tired. I felt so fatigued. Can I tell you this? The Lord spoke to me and said, the evil spirit is back. Feelings I hadn't felt in over 10 years. You know what had happened? An evil spirit, a spirit of error followed me there from that campus and attempted to deceive me again. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I defeated you once and I defeat you now. Depart. And as quick as I said that, that burden left. I could feel it across my shoulders, man. And it just left. I thank God for truth. I thank God for helping me see the truth. I thank God for light. I thank him for helping me to endure temptation because let me tell you this. When I finally said no and committed to the truth, God blessed me. God blessed me. And you know what? I'm going to stand before God someday and he's going to reward me with the crown of life because I endured temptation. And he's going to bring other pastor sons forward who did not. And he's going to say, look, Justin Gleason made it. Why couldn't you have? You and him had this very similar life, grew up in the very similar times. He made it. You couldn't have. There is no excuse. So when temptation is near, focus on sound doctrine. Focus on truth. Don't be carried away with every wind of doctrine. I'm Justin C. Gleason.
joining me now is Jaken Orton, one of the co-hosts of Reality Speaks. He is also accompanied by Texas Young and Bethany Young. But the Youngs could not be with us for this episode because they are taking care of a beautiful new baby. And of course, we understand. I'd probably rather be with a beautiful new baby as well than be on a podcast with Justin Gleason. But we wish the Youngs uh, all the blessings in the world. Brother Jakin, how you doing, my friend? I am doing well. The Lord is good. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. Well, thank you so much for being on here. Uh, when we say Reality Speaks, Reality Speaks, that podcast, what, what does Reality Speaks mean? Well, honestly, um, I had messed with doing podcasts at one point. I just uh, basically was uploading uh, messages from our youth group at one point just called it the reach youth ministry podcast, but nice. Um, I, I, that kind of fell off after a little while, quit uploading to it. And I, somewhere around probably January of last year, I kind of woke up and I was just thinking and it hit me. I was, our church mission statement is based on the acronym of reach, which is, Reality speaks, evangelism is a must, actions mm. speak louder than words, can you hear the call of the lost, and Harvest House has a mission. Harvest House, of course, being the name of the church. Right. And it just, I just thought, you know, Reality Speaks sounds like an awesome podcast name. <laughs> and yeah. I, I just uh, had thought about some stuff like talking about the ideas of what does it really mean to be apostolic and kind of became the tagline for the intro. What's really going on in the world? What does the Bible really say? Mm. And how are we really supposed to be living? And um, just because uh, I, I, we actually mentioned it, uh, I, I think when we were talking to you, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on right now and people are like, I don't really know what to believe. <laughs> Is so many things are just crazy right now. And, yes. um, but that was the key thing is people have all these different ideas about what church really is, about what life really is. And uh, kind of what we mean in our church when we attach that to our mission statement was, um, here's the real deal. The world's in a mess and the only way to be saved is uh, we need the word of God. We, how can they hear except uh, unless there's a preacher? Uh, how can they be saved unless they hear all, all that? Yeah. The world is a mess and the only way to be saved is through the word of God. Amen. Well, the, the uh, podcast name title is very catchy and I think it's very <laughs> appropriate, you know, because people are looking for something that is real, something that's genuine and authentic and you and the youngs do cover quite a wide range of ideas and topics but specifically uh you guys have done some content on the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit and we i have not done much on the fruit of the spirit here on on spirit signal i have done gifts of the spirit and i wanted to bring you on really to talk about uh the fruit of the spirit and uh, listeners by the way 
This uh, Reality Speaks is available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and uh, Google Podcast. Be sure to check your episode notes for the links to that, as well as Brother Jenkins' social media. You look at the fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians 5, and something that's really just kind of sticks out to me is Paul opens up with this passage by saying that I say to you, walk in the spirit, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You know, he's about the, the scriptures about to talk about spiritual things, and it doesn't talk about laying hands on the sick or, you know, casting out devils or using holy oil or doing anything like that. He just simply goes down the line of what sins to avoid the works of the flesh. And then he goes into things like love, joy, and peace and long suffering. And if you're not careful, you can really think the fruit of the spirit is only natural, but the fruit of the spirit is spiritual, right? Do you see it as a, as all of them are spiritual? Yeah. Um, that's, and what we kind of ended up titling the series was that it's, uh, we title it being spirit led because really we talk about being spirit led. So often we're thinking about the idea of God, uh, telling us what needs to be done or what uh, actions like, as you mentioned, laying on of hands, uh, go knock on this particular door and talk to this particular person. Kind of like uh, when, uh, when God led, uh, I believe it was, um, I, I forget, forget the name, but when God led uh, the man to go and lay hands on Saul so they could see a sight and oh he was led of the spirit to go yeah that's true but in our everyday life being led of the spirit means having love showing joy and peace and long suffering because that's only through the spirit that we're ever going to be able to truly be this picture of what we think of when we think of a Christian that's the only way it's going to work is being spirit led yeah Absolutely. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that there are nine, nine fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's nine there. You then also have nine gifts of the spirit. And then the Sermon on the Mount, you have nine blessed attitudes. Yeah. Nine of them, nine, 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 which all uh, nine times three equals 27, the same number that's in the New Testament books. Yeah. Uh, those, you know, I love all those connections, but the thing that makes the fruit of the spirit a little particular to me is it doesn't say the fruits, fruits, like pluralized. Singular. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why is it singular? Well, I've heard preachers explain it this way. It's one of those things like I've not looked it up myself to, but I have heard that said, honestly, if we look at it, Someone claims that the punctuation is not quite correct, and it really should be the fruit of the Spirit is love, colon, not comma, which is joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Uh, I don't know that that's something, but I, I as we were talking before, um, I, I did... I did that episode um, just kind of saying the fruit of the spirit is love and even kind of analyzing first Corinthians 13. Cause if we look at that, we see the picture of love vaunts, not itself and love is 
uh, love is slow to anger and all these different pictures in there. And all of those tie in with love is self-controlled. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love has all these other pictures. They're all in some way. And I even noticed it as we kind of went in and looking at some of these that some of their definitions overlap very, very heavily. <laughs> right. Between goodness and gentleness, between uh, meekness and temperance, there's really a lot of similarities, even temperance and long suffering. They're very tied together. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they do overlap. I guess for the purpose uh, of this recording, and it's most commonly accepted. I kind of see it as you can't just have one of them. You can't, you have to have all of them. It's different than the gifts of the spirit. You know, when the gifts of the spirit move very rarely does somebody have all nine going on a regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually somebody is very strong in a tongues, but rarely ever interprets or the other way around. Uh, it's usually somebody, you know, sees a lot of healings, but very rarely do you ever see them having a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. And then some people are just very dialed in and keen on discerning of spirits. You know, very rarely do you see have somebody doing all of them. And then you look at the blessed attitudes. You know, you're not always having to do them. You know, you're not always having to be merciful, but there's times in your life, you know, when you have to have mercy on somebody and you're blessed for it. You don't always have to be a peacemaker. Hopefully you never have to be a peacemaker, but you better believe it. You know, you know, somebody, two friends of yours that are at odds with each other and you got to bring them together and make peace. But I think the fruit of the spirit is something that we always carry with us and you can't just have peace and you can't just say, oh, I'm peaceful, but I am, I'm not going to be faithful. You know, I'm just going to be a person of yeah. peace, but I'm not going to have any faith. <laughs> you see that you have to have them all right. Yes, absolutely. This is the fruit. Here is the evidence. Um, I mean, we 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 so often uh, argue about. Oh well, if you if you're not speaking in tongues, obviously you're not. Uh, you you've not been filled with the Spirit. But a few months down the road, someone speaks in tongues. Every the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. But this is you want it to be said. Uh, one of the things that stuck with me so much about the fruit of the spirit is something that happened. To, and this was when it really stuck with me was I was at my grandmother's funeral and uh, my uncle was up and preaching the message during her eulogy. And he, he started off his opening scriptures with this verse talking about the fruit of the spirit. He said, I don't think there's anyone, uh, there's any better description for my mother than, than these verses. And as he read it, I was like, yeah, that's it. That's it right there. And more so I never really saw her being someone who shouted down the house, but there was without question that she was, she showed love that uh, I never heard her say hardly anything against anyone. And she was kind. She was good. She, was temperate and self-controlled mm. i was like yeah that's it that's the true evidence that someone's been filled with the spirit she may not have yes. shouted down the house on a regular basis but she was that <laughs> that's a good story yeah 
it just goes to show these things I don't think are just natural, but it's rather God's love moving through us, God's joy, God's peace, God's long suffering, his gentleness, his goodness, his faith, his meekness, his temperance. Because you know, people in the world can have those things in a in a form, but the way a Holy Ghost filled believer has them, there's unlike, there's nothing like it, nothing comparable to it. When you have that fruit blossoming in you, and it really is a powerful ministry tool, you know, yes. to have somebody that has all of those things working in them all at once for people in a, in a supernatural way especially and they're all important especially love of course but right now peace yes you know peace, peace. if you don't have it you don't have much of anything <laughs> yeah yeah you know uh just right now in our society there is just chaos there is no peace you know everybody lives in fear everybody walks looking over their shoulder you know there is no real peace and and a lot of people i think maybe you've observed this a lot of people just think like god has given up on the world right now yeah or or that he's uh actively out to get somebody <laughs> it's one of the two they, mm-hmm. they there is no trust there's one of two attitudes it's either they think that god doesn't care or that they think that God's just not a factor in the in the life of where they are. Yeah. It's somewhere between the two. And it's neither one is the right picture of neither one is real. <laughs> Correct. They're not. I uh, you know, a lot of people say that God is dead. Well, if anything, no, any anything, man is just dead to God. Yeah, and so many view him as an old, angry man with a beard and a, you know, and a hammer fist, you know, wanting to strike this world. But if they got a closer look, like we experienced, you know, just this past Resurrection Sunday, you know, it's not an angry God, but it's rather a suffering God. You know, yeah. a God that endured pain and suffering, long suffering, right? Yes, and all of those things. Yeah, that, yeah, that is. Go ahead. That is, wait, go on. Well, the cross is the is the picture of the fruit of the spirit. Yes, you can see the cross in all of those things. So uh, the fruit of the spirit opens up with the works of the flesh, which is yeah. adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies. Outbursts of wrath, oh God, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I just, you know, you see the contrast between flesh and spirit. You you can't have both. You have to have either one. And would you say that somebody who has a flesh problem has got a fruit of the spirit problem? I would say that somebody with a flesh problem uh, most definitely is not working in the spirit. (laughs) Maybe a spirit, 
not the spirit. Sure. Uh, but they most definitely are not going to be. Uh, I mean, sure, they may have a couple of uh, occasional pictures of some weak element of it, but they most definitely are not going to be. Someone who is an active adulterer is not going to be filling peace, is not going to be giving peace. <laughs> Uh, obviously they are lacking in long suffering. If there's some active adultery going on, um, right. they, they're not being good. Uh, they've got some twisted picture of love and most likely they, they're not feeling, they're not feeling joy or they wouldn't have turned towards it in the first place. Um, there's no temperance going on there. And, who knows? Uh, who knows? But I, I would say that they are definitely there's some level of unhealthiness. And you look at any of these. I just picked one out of the air with adultery, but it's all of these all throughout. It it shows a lack of satisfaction in life if you've got a flesh problem. It sure does. So, what advice would you give to somebody? Let's say a a youth group kid. Youth group, kid, youth group kid, you know a lot about youth ministry. Yeah. Youth group kid who is just struggling with the flesh. I mean, they have no temperance, which is self-control. No self-control. Or they can't find themselves doing anything good. You know, how do you get that flesh suppressed and get that, that spirit elevated? Well, um, in, in second... And Second Peter kind of talks about it to some degree. It talks about if you do, um, if these things be in you and abound. And it, first thing it says, add to your faith diligence. And that is one of the key things. And add to your faith diligence. With, with all diligence, add to your faith. That's uh, that's where I'm going. I'm, I'm Attempted to quote it there, but <laughs> let me just uh, look it up here. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. First off, just try what you know is right. I feel like that's the key there. Just try to do what you know to do. And then after it says after virtue, because I mean, obviously you're, you're already trying. If you're asking for advice, you're trying, but trying on our own is not going to work. And you need to know, it says add to virtue, knowledge, add to knowledge, temperance. Study it out. You need to know why you're doing it in the first place. And then it says patience and godliness. All these things here, this is the fruit of the Spirit. Here's how we do it. We've got to work at it. It's going to be work. But, of course, with work, we've got to die out to flesh. So, Struggling is going to be a struggle, of course. We're going to be struggling because I don't read anywhere in the Bible that the devil just stops trying to get us, stops trying to tempt us, except when Jesus turns to him and it says the devil left him, and that's when he was able to answer him with the word of God. We need to make sure the word is in us. Um Jesus was tempted while fasting. So fasting isn't the end-all, be-all answer. Oh, you've got to go on a long fast. You've got to be praying. 
the only way that I read that the devil ended up leaving it when Jesus was being tempted was when he was able to answer him with the word. You, you see here in yes. Second Peter, it says, add to your virtue knowledge, and then only after knowledge does it say, then you can add temperance, a fruit of the Spirit, add patience, a fruit of the Spirit, add kindness and charity, which is love. All, those only come in after knowledge. We need knowledge. You've got to know your Bible. You need to know the Word of God. You need to be in church, and you need to be around other Christians who are going to speak the Word of God into your life. And it ends up coming to the end of these verses in Second Peter chapter 1. And in verse 10, it says, if you do these things, you're not going to fall. That's, that's the answer that... Mm stuck out to me so strong when I heard uh, I heard a message Brother Court Chavis preached and he analyzed those verses to some degree I had never heard before and it it changed my life <laughs> Amen Shout out to Court Chavis He's, he's just awesome <laughs> Yes Alright, lastly describe a time in your life when the fruit of the Spirit moved through you to really minister to somebody. Can you share a story with us? I will say that uh, just over the course of working youth ministry, of course, there have been plenty of opportunities of dealing with people that sometimes you've just got to be patient. <laughs> you've got to be long suffering and you start wondering if anything is ever going to change. And this one story kind of sticks out to me. There's this one boy in our youth group. He hadn't been in a long time. He hadn't been to church. And I was picking up another kid and I was like, hey, I'm in the neighborhood. So I went by, knocked on his door and um, just kind of went in and talked to him for a little bit. I said, hey, man, do you want to come to church tonight? He's like, oh, man, I got this. I got that. I, I can't come. I was like, okay. I hugged him. And I just said, "I love you. I really, I really can't. I really want to see you back sometime." So I left. Didn't think anything more of it. Went to church. <clears throat> Years later, I hear him testifying. Uh, the and he says, "You know, there's a moment changed my life." And he gets up there and he begins to tell that same story. And he said, "When he walked out that door, I just realized." I've got to come back. I've got to come back. Boy's name's Texas Young. <laughs> ah. Yeah. He, uh, oh. He's now my brother-in-law. He's wow. now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Man, what a story. Yeah, showing love and sticking with it with patience. That is what changes people's lives. Ladies and gentlemen, Jaken Orton with Reality Speaks Podcast. 